0: Well, hey, this is Joey Ferjanik, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. What's up, Block Church? My name is Alvin Uman. I am the parking and security coordinator at the Northeast location. I'm so thrilled to be here today. And I just wanna take a second to welcome every single person at every physical location today, as well as our online location. Well, if you're at a physical location today, you're about to witness something that is so incredible. You're gonna be witnessing transformations take place because today is Baptism Sunday. And I know that Easter is typically regarded as the Super Bowls of Sundays, but I've got to say that I've witnessed Baptism Sundays at the Block Church completely different with an amazing vibe. And sometimes it actually competes with Easter Sundays because... People are rallying, people are coming to support their friends and their loved ones and they're cheering on their people that are taking this next step and publicly declaring that Jesus has changed their lives. Is that not a reason to celebrate today? So it doesn't matter if someone that you know is getting baptized or not, we're all one family, we're one body, and I want you to show love. I want you to rally around everyone that comes out of that water so that they realize that the moment that they actually become dry, they're not doing life alone, but rather they've got community that's surrounding them and has got their back because that's the character of this house. So here at the Black Church, we believe that water baptism is the outward expression of the inward transformation of what Jesus has done for us. So if you're saved, meaning that if you have accepted Jesus into your heart, well, the Bible says that you are a new creation. It says that the old has passed and that the new has come because you're in Christ and baptism is the public declaration of that amazing reality. So if you haven't made that decision yet, we're welcoming, we're welcoming you to boldly, to boldly do so today. We have enough shorts, we've got enough drawers, we've got the, yeah. the, the socks, we've got the pants, the t-shirts, the towels. We can turn heaven today into the Eagles Super Bowl parade yeah. times 100. So I want to jump into the word this morning with the truth that I believe that you're going to spend the rest of your life marinating and pursuing to understand. Not because it's complicated, but because it actually comes off as too good to be true. It's a fundamental truth that I've decided and devote decided to devote the very rest of my life to truly understand and live out. So today I want to speak to you all about something in the context of Baptism Sunday, but something that is very basic and foundational to our faith and it's something that I believe will affect you no matter where you are in your spiritual journey and that's the first commandment so to get started I want us all to turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 to 38 but when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees they gathered together and one of them a lawyer asked him a question to test him teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law And he said to him that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, that this is the great and first commandment. That this is the great and first commandment. I love Twitter. (laughs) I love Twitter. There's so much content on it, and it just has me dying of laughter. Like I can't believe that the app is free but one day I'm scrolling on Twitter and I just see this post that actually was from an account called the Atheist Forum. It's from the Atheist Forum and the objective of the tweet was actually to belittle Christianity. It is supposed to mock Christianity and it is this tweet that reads the belief of Or Christianity, the belief that one God created a universe 13.79 billion years old, 93 billion light years in diameter, consisting of over 200 billion galaxies, each containing an average of over 200 billion stars, only to have a personal relationship with you. And this tweet actually ended up having the complete opposite effect because it meant to mock Christianity, but people started to retweet it and reshare it and think, you know what? That's kind of wild. Here's this big God that loves me so much just to have a relationship with me. And I mention that because the verse that we just read shows this amazing distinction of the personality of God. It shows that the creator of the universe, the person who created eternity and needs nothing from us, desires for us to love him. And that's incredible because when you or I walk into a grocery store and we're at the checkout line and there's a clerk that's there, we're not waiting in line hoping that the clerk expects us or has love for us or desires for us to love him. It's not in our nature. But the nature of God is to be someone that is loved by us and loves us and that we have an understanding of that reality. We see that God's desire is that we make our first and greatest priority to love him. Do you understand what type of value this places on you? When you understand that the creator of the universe desires for you to love him, do you know what value that places on you? Do you know how basic truth or that type of a truth can change your destiny and it can transform the way that you serve others and treat others and love yourself and and think of yourself? And so the creator of everything, all things, all eternity values your love for him. You see, whether you grew up in the church or not, our standard of success from an earthly perspective is rooted entirely on the earthly measure of success. How much you make a year, what your job looks like, how big your family is and things of that nature. And so we actually deal with this problem where if we are not living up to an earthly measure of success that we're viewed as a failure. If we don't have a certain GPA, if we don't have a successful marriage, if things are not going as planned, the world views us as if we failed. But the thing is, what we just read and what we just see, that the most reliable and important measure of success is purely how much we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind it's the supreme mission statement for humanity the first and greatest priority of our lives is to love god i grew up in a household that was a prayerful household my parents loved the lord and they taught me how to love the lord but then i deviated throughout high school and in college i just kept coming back and forth to the point where Something began to take place in my life as I separated myself from God. Actually, as I began coming closer to God, I noticed that there was something that was happening within my sleep. And every single night I began to deal with sleep paralysis. And it was so overcoming. It was something that was so dramatic and drastic where every night in the late hours, I would be completely consumed with fear and anxiety, and my body would become completely paralyzed, and I'd see figures just walk into the room. And I remember one day, I came back from college, and my mom took me to the doctor's office because she didn't know what was happening. And I'm describing this to the doctor, and the doctor begins to ask me all these questions alluding to some type of psychosis or psychological issue. And my mom grabbed me by the hand, pulled me out of the room and says that this is a matter of spiritual warfare. And then I remember thinking to myself that if this is something of spiritual warfare, I want nothing to do with God because when I try to get closer to God, it seems like it's getting worse. When I run away from God, perhaps that's something that will give me some peace at night. I had three more years left in college and every single night, every single night, I would do whatever I could to stay up past 2, 3, 4 a.m. just so that I can have a good night's rest. And I'd call on my friends and I'd say, let's just go out. Let's go do something else. I just don't want to be alone now. I'd even book my classes and schedule them later on in the afternoon and in the evening just so that I can just transform my life for this reality that I was dealing with. And then one day it began to become so bad. Just three years later, I don't think I've ever slept one full night And it was right before graduation where I just decided to take a month just to do nothing but read scripture. And I spent a month, 28 days, reading this book from cover to cover. I did nothing else. And someone comes up to me and says, Alvin, what's what's the lesson that you've learned? How could you have even gathered anything from reading scripture that fast? And the only truth that I was really able to understand by reading it was that on page one, it was God that created us he created me on page two sin entered this world and we deviated from the the expectation that he had of our creation and then on page three it's god coming into the garden saying adam where are you and the next thousand pages was basically god trying to answer that question where are you adam by trying to find me and through jesus I was found and when I understood that realization of how much Jesus loves me how much he pursues me and I internalized it almost in an instant it ended up bringing complete healing to my body that gave me the most amazing night's sleep ever since then to this very day the second point that I want to make comes from John chapter 15 verse 9 and it says that as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. You see, we first read that the most important reality, the, 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 the thing that we're expected to is to love God and make loving God our priority. But what we just read is the most dynamic truth in the entire Bible because Jesus is literally saying that the love that he has for you is as intense as the love that the Father has for him. Inside the fellowship of the Trinity, the triune family, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, Jesus is essentially saying that I love you with the same intensity that the Father has for me. So it never began with you. It never started with you. The love that God expects you to have for him was already given to you to freely accept. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. So for all of eternity, billions of years before the creation of the universe, it was God in the fellowship of the Trinity, loving Jesus, loving the Holy Spirit, as Jesus loved God, one God and three persons. And the love that they had with all of their heart, with all of their strength, was being poured into one another to the point where one day to decide to look and say, let's make you so that you can experience this exact same intense love. That's why I say that this is the verse that you need to spend the rest of your life truly understanding, because can you imagine the scope of what's being said here? Do you think about the moments and the times where people tell you that they love you and the times that you've said it to other people, if you're someone that's filled with the Spirit of God, if you're someone that understands how Jesus can transform you, when you say those words to other people, it has significance. It has meanings. If it's not coming from someone that understands the love of Jesus, it is actually sometimes and most of the time empty and void. And that's why so many of us have experienced a distorted kind of love because it's not at all rooted in the way that the Father loves the Son thus loving us. It's a completely different measure of love that doesn't hold a candle to how much Jesus loves us. We're one of the the most sexually troubled generations in history where people are turning to pornography and sex and alcohol and social media just to fill the void that only God can fill. And it's only when we understand this family dynamic of how much God loves Jesus and how much Jesus loves us are we able to set a standard that Jesus expects of us. And so the first point that I had mentioned was that the standard, the goal of our lives is to make loving Jesus our priority. The second one is that we do not initiate loving God. The first commandment actually started with God when he said that as the Father has loved me, I love you. Abide in this love. And finally, we do not have to do this on our own. We receive the incredible gift of the love of God imparted to us through his spirit. It's through his spirit. In John chapter 17, Verses 26, Jesus says in the most famous, amazing prayer in scripture before he's to be crucified. And the context of what's happening is this is hours before Jesus to be crucified. And he's basically sharing his last living will and testament to his most closest disciples in the upper room. And he's saying, I'm gonna tell you something that I haven't told anyone, and I'm gonna pray with you. And as he's praying, he says, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. We did nothing to deserve this. It was the desire of Jesus that this incredible, that this magnificent, that this mountain of eternal love that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit share be imparted into each one of us sitting today. And the people that are getting baptized today have internalized and realized that their entire life they've only ever experienced a distorted type of love to the point where now they've accepted Jesus into their heart, they've understood that they are now making a public declaration to be dead to sin and alive in Christ and they're no longer who they were and they're living life knowing just how much Jesus loves them and they're going to use the exact same impartation of the spirit that's in them to go out and publicly love as many people as they can with the same intensity, with the same intensity. I went to a conference a couple years ago And at this conference there was a youth group that i was asked to be the the small group leader for and the kids here all came to christ but they were extremely troubled i began to ask them what is the inspiration that had led you to christ and they're very hesitant to share the reality of what they experienced with me but then a little bit later they began to share one person stood up and said that that she was in an abusive relationship. Someone had said that they loved her and she believed it. And it began to become a very toxic relationship. Another individual said that his parents got divorced and he felt like it was his fault and he could no longer, or the parents could no longer take care of him and sent him off to live with his uncle. He thought that his uncle loved him, but his uncle had locked him in this room kept him there for 15, 16 hours a day. And he tried to kill himself, but even failed to do that. And he said that, I can't even do that right. And on and on and on, all of them began to share the traumatic experiences of people that they thought cared about them and loved them, but distorted it and showed them a reality that the way that humans love is not like God and all of them ended up coming to different youth camps and youth groups and different scenarios and situations in their life that led them to come to christ and they began to experience and see that the love of god is different from anything that they've experienced on this side of eternity on this earth so far and they began to say that if this is the standard of love that i've been missing out on then serving jesus is worth it and I'm looking at them with all the boldness that they have and I'm so convicted with what they've experienced and they were able with maturity to say you know what this is how much Jesus loves me and that love that Jesus has for me is so great and so strong to the point where I can forgive those people that wrong me I can forgive those people that hurt me because he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world and they were so freely willing to say I'm accepting Jesus into my heart and they've made that decision decision to get baptized because they knew that the temporary sufferings on this earth paled in comparison to who Jesus was and how much Jesus loved them. Once this truth of just how much Jesus loves you is even lightly grasped, it leads to a transformation of your heart that makes you give your life to Christ and it takes, it makes you want to take that step into baptism. The love of Jesus has this ability to just radically transform the way that we see others. It transforms the way that we see our purpose. It transforms the way that we see our church. It transforms you because that's the reality of who Jesus is. And the people today, again, have made this decision to take water baptism because they've experienced that that undistorted love that can only come from Jesus, the pure love of Jesus, and they wanna publicly declare their death to sin and life to Christ and so for for many of you today you might have gotten baptized as an infant and at at a point in your development where you really didn't grasp what was going on but it's important to remember that baptism is this big decision that needs to be made once you're older so that you can you can comprehend what it means and basically what you're saying is that Jesus the old me is gone I am dead to sin I'm alive in Christ I want all of these people to know that and I want to be part of this kingdom this family of Christ in the book of Romans chapter 6 verses 1 to 5 is this beautiful portion of Scripture where it says that we were therefore what then shall we say shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we all were those who have died to sin How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Can we all rise to our feet? That verse is so powerful. Because what it's basically saying, it's a reminder that baptism allows us to remember who we put to death. We've put to death our old self. we put to death who we were. we become part of this kingdom family where we're no longer doing life alone, but we're doing it with the body of Christ. It's not just the block church. It's actually this body of Christ that spans into India, into the Middle East, into China, into Africa. It's this global church that you are now a part of. When you die to sin and you live in Christ, you're telling the world that the old me is gone and here I am and I'm receiving that love of Jesus, that undistorted love of Jesus that pales in comparison to anything else we can ever experience on this earth and we're receiving it and we're giving it out to as many people as we can including the people that have hurt us. We're part of this larger body of Christ now because we've accepted just how much Jesus loves us. And today we're going to be making some amazing decisions. And again, I want to remind you that if this is a decision that you have not made yet and you want to, you have the ability to do so. Again, we have enough shorts. We have enough t-shirts. We've got everything you can need. There's no excuse to not make a decision like this, but I want you to make sure that you're someone that understands that Jesus loves you, that Jesus cares about you, that Jesus is there for you, and his love is a pure, undistorted love that number one should be our highest priority to pursue and live after. And number two, it's something that starts with him and does not start with you and is imparted into you through his spirit. I'm just gonna pray. And I ask that you guys spend the rest of your life understanding that dynamic truth of who Jesus is and how much he loves you because your life will never be the same. Father, I thank you so much for every single heart, every single soul that's seated here, both in the physical locations and online. I thank you just how much you love us, God. I thank you that with the same intensity that the Father loves you, Lord, that you love us and you've imparted that into us through your spirit. Lord, as we make decisions today, not only to come to you, but even to get baptized, I pray, Lord God, that we're people that are able to be bold and live boldly to say that the old me is gone, that the new has come, that I am a new creation, and I'm so proud to be part of this kingdom of God in this body of Christ that spans across this globe. I pray, Lord God, that you increase the faith in all of us, God, to understand just how much you love us. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.